Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. If you're into mushrooms, then today's episode is definitely for you. Today's guest is Parker Olson, and he is a co-founder of a company called Forage, F-O-R-I-J. Forage uses mushrooms, including lion's mane, and products like nutritional bars and granola. Their foods are completely clean and they're really good for your brain. So I highly recommend trying them out. But this isn't an ad, it's an intro. Parker was a very young entrepreneur and started a very successful Twitter account from his dorm room when he was in college. And his winding path led him to starting this company Forage because he became very interested in his health and well-being, which is what led him to mushrooms. So Tune in today into the business of you with Parker Olson and hear this innovative young entrepreneur's story and journey to co-founding a really interesting and nutritious company. Parker, welcome to the show. Great to have you here today. How's your day so far? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Uh, it's been it's been solid. It's I'm in Seattle, and today is kind of the first rainy, gray, cold day, which means fall is coming. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you say it's the first because I I think the only city that has more rainfall than Pittsburgh is actually Seattle, um, and we've had a lot of sunny days, and that makes such a huge difference. So I'm glad you've been having a lot of good ones too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, happy, happy to be here and happy to kind of chop, talk shop. So thanks for yeah. having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, love to start with your journey. So where, where did you, what did you study in school? Where did you grow up and what yeah. led you to launching Forage? Yeah, man. Yeah. The journey. It's, that's always a, it's a long and winding one, right? I feel like it's from an outside perspective, it's like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It's like X, then Y, then then Z, right? But no, it's it's really never that straightforward. Um, I'm actually, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from right outside of Boston. Um, and then I went to school at the University of Minnesota. I was originally pre-med actually in neuroscience um, and pretty quickly shifted in more into like a business degree, you know, got a degree in like finance and, and entrepreneurial um, studies. Um, but really my journey kind of starts, I would say probably in college. So I, you know, second or third day of college, I, you know, met a guy in my dorm and we started chatting and I kept seeing him on his phone, like doing something. And I was like, what are you doing on your phone? And he was like, nothing. And I'm like, okay. And then of course I like was looking over his shoulder because now I'm curious. And he's on sending direct messages on these Twitter accounts that have over like 300,000, 400,000, 500,000, a million followers, like lots of different accounts. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And he was like, okay, like 
I like build these accounts and then I run ads from these accounts to blogs. And like, like, that's how I like, like I'm putting myself through college this way. And I was like, Oh damn, that's really cool. Like, okay. Like I'll give you all of my savings if you'll teach me how to do it. And I, and I gave him every single dollar I had to my name. I think it was $3,216 and 27 cents. I, I think. And I sent it to him like on the spot, like pulled up and was like, I didn't even think about it. And this is, you know, maybe may part of what, uh, what has enabled some of my entrepreneurial journey, but also, you know, has probably caused some, some tribulations for myself is just sort of, you know, compulsively being like, I think that's a good idea. Let's go for it. And not thinking to not, not thinking it through. Um, and so, yeah, that, that sort of kickstarted some of my entrepreneurial interest and journey. And I, I paid him, um, and he, he kind of showed me how to build like a, a, a pretty big Twitter account. So I built a Twitter account that, you know, got up to about 800,000 followers by the end of the year and, you know, started monetizing it and, and started kind of making money and, and became in tune to sort of just, just the idea that like you, meaning anyone can go out and make something that has value and can, you know, quote unquote, support yourself that I really wasn't supporting myself. I think, I think the the best day I ever had was like a thousand dollars. And that was like a crazy day. Like on average, I was probably grossing like a couple hundred dollars maybe. Um, but anyways, it, that was sort of the beginning. And that, that was like, a, for me, like sort of an eye opening experience to be like, whoa, like just because I'm young and don't know anything and am irrelevant in this world does, does not mean, um, does not mean I, I can't start building stuff. Um, so that, that was sort of, you know, step one, I'm, uh, I'm at school and, and building a Twitter account. Well, at least sounds like you got your, made your money back. I did. I did make my money back. Yeah. I think, you know, probably grossed, I think total from that project, like 25 to like 40 K. Oh, which good. Like pretty solid. Good and like, yeah. Pretty like low overhead. And, uh, it was cool. The, the name of the Twitter account was called, um, was called shit your parents say. <laughs> So, so it was, it, it was inspired, it was inspired off of my parents and I didn't tell them about it. And they discovered it one day because like somebody, my dad worked with sent it to him because the, the picture on like uh -huh. the Twitter icon was of my parents. Oh no. Yeah. And, and he, and my parents thought it was so cool that they thought somebody had randomly found their photo and I didn't tell them for a while. And, and then like, they kind of like pieced it together that. Like it had to have been somebody that knows them. And then they're like, are you doing this? And I was like, yes, I am. Um, so that was sort of, that was sort of first. And then, yeah, I went through college and, you know, still was curious about different entrepreneurial pursuits, but I, you know, I actually ended up winding down the Twitter account. It sort of like brought me anxiety. It required a lot of like day, like every 15 minutes, like you have to like trade retweets and it's like, you got to DM a lot of people. And I, I feel like, you know, at that point in my life, I hadn't really figured out how to like build systems, right. To like support and grow something. Um, and, you know, just wanted to like go socialize on kind of honestly. And so, you know, get out of college and I moved to Seattle I go into sort of like a management consulting role, right? I like get my business degree. I get a business job. I'm like, it like pays me pretty well. I like wear nice clothes into the office. Like, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is great. This is, this is cool. And like, you know, four weeks into that, I'm, you know, pretty quickly realized that that is like, isn't what I want. Right. Um, I think that's for some people, right. I, I I'm guessing a lot of people listening here, you know, maybe find themselves in similar places where it's like, okay, this is great. Like, you know, I go to work, I get paid, like it, it affords me a lifestyle, but you know, it doesn't bring me fulfillment every single day. 
Um, and so I, you know, sort of went back and was like, okay, I really want to start like a business. Like I want to go work for myself and let's, let's figure that out. And so I started working on an idea that I had back in college that uh, I think it was called like, I think I'd called it flip or something, but I, it, the idea was, was a pair of reversible pants. I thought, wouldn't it be really cool if you could have a pair of pants and you could turn them inside out and it'd be like, took like maybe like you have like kind of like a fun pattern on one side and the other side, it's like a normal pair of pants. So I got like a prototype made and, you know, I was working on a website and, you know, wasn't really, I wouldn't say like strategic about how I was going about it. Um, and, you know, like it was fun for, for a little bit. And then I realized like well, when I had to do like the non-fun things, I like, didn't want to do it and like wasn't working on it. And that was another sort of like good learning moment for me of, you know, when a lot of the work you're going to do when you like start your own company or doing your, your own thing is going to be work you don't necessarily enjoy. And if you're not willing to do it, like you're not passionate about it or, or it doesn't bring you enough fulfillment, then like, that's a good sign that that's not a good path. Right. <laughs> I was, I was chatting. I have a friend who he's, he, he's a leading marriage coach. And we were kind of joking the other day about how, you know, like he, he, he claims like, you know, you're in love when you find your partner's like sort of quote unquote flaws, like endearing. Right. It's like you, you still like enjoy them for their flaws or whatever. And how like starting a business, like he, when you start a business, like you sort of know you're on the right path when you find all of like the, the crappy work and like, it's kind of like the mundane, horrible work, like still somewhat endearing. You're still like, okay, I'm still going to do this because I still really like this. And I still really find this fulfilling. So I, I sort of stopped working on that. Um, and then, you know, for one reason or another, I got into trying different diets, like different nutritional regimens. Um, and for 18 months at a time, I, or, or for 18 months in a row, um, I tried a different nutritional regimen every 30 days um, and was just like documenting how I felt. Um, so I, I don't know, like, have you ever messed around with like nutrition or, or, or done stuff like that? Okay. Which, uh, like, do you eat a certain way right now? Right now? No. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say no. I'm very conscious of just about eating like fresh foods, not processed foods, but mm -hmm. I eat all types of food, right? Yeah. Um, fruits, veggies, protein, some carbs. Um, but I'd have to say like the time I felt best was when I did eliminate carbs completely from my diet mm -hmm. and most sugar, most processed sugar. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm getting to that kind of middle age now and I'm finding some aches and pains in my body. Mm -hmm. And when I ate completely clean like that, I felt so much better. So I'm about to make that shift again, too. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I had similar takeaways, right? It, it, it's not like rocket science, right? It's like when you really, you know, dial in what you're eating and, and sort of follow a certain regimen, like it will impact the way you feel. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, a couple of my takeaways were like eating whole foods. Most of the diets that were like super whole food based felt really good. Um, I also had the takeaway of like dieting. I kind of hate that term or like nutritional regimens. Like it, it, 
eating anything for a short amount of time, meaning like less than multiple years, um, is a bad idea because you ultimately want to get on the sort of like an eating, an eating regimen that like you can sustain for the rest of your life, right? Like when your body goes through like switching of what it's consuming and like using for energy, um, it, it takes a toll on the body. So, you know, the second sort of takeaway was like, you need to find something that like you can sustain and last and like, you know, doesn't necessarily interfere with your lifestyle. So as an example, like, I actually loved how I felt when I was like fully in ketosis, which, you know, sort of a trendy like diet, but it was so challenging to, um, to do with my lifestyle and like the things I wanted to do and, and how I wanted to live. And so like that, to me, that, that isn't a good path forward. Um, anyways, you know, one of these months I ended up trying and supplementing for the entire month towards the end with these like medicinal or you know, functional mushrooms. And are, are you familiar with, with these at all? Or have you a kind of been hearing about these? Yeah. Okay. What, what do you know? Or like, what have you heard? Or um, I know that mushrooms are being used to say, like, make, there's a coffee brand that's mushroom based. And mm -hmm. I know some have hallucinogenic properties. Others are um, helpful, I think, to, for memory and brain mm -hmm. functioning. And that's about all I know. I haven't so gone got. deep cool. down the path. Yeah. 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 And I would say like, generally speaking, most people are, are with you. It's like, I've heard about these mushrooms. Some are dangerous. Like I've heard some are psychedelic. Like I eat some in a salad, maybe like, I don't really know. Um, and so generally speaking, right. Like it's not so black and white, like mushrooms are really exist on a spectrum. Um, and like maybe way over here on the spectrum, you have mushrooms that are like portobello mushrooms or like cremini mushrooms, white button mushrooms you buy in a grocery store are edible. And over here, maybe you have like mushrooms that are toxic right like if you consume they could be lethal um and then you know across that spectrum you have um maybe next next kind of further in from these these toxic legal ones are like psychedelic ones right like can have powerful effects on the body and then as you kind of go closer to the edible mushrooms you have really like a category of like functional or medicinal mushrooms so there, there's medicinal compounds that um, can have therapeutic effects in the body but they aren't necessarily like going to you know you're not going to like get high or like you're not going to hallucinate um and those are the mushrooms like th that I was dealing with. So the names of a couple like lion's mane, turkey tail, chaga, cordyceps, um, even shiitake mushrooms ha have medicinal compounds. Um, and, um, you know, I got really into those. And that month was the month that I really actually felt best out of all 18 months, which I found to be pretty interesting. And um, just having some background in, in neuroscience, I, I still majored in neuroscience in school. I learned a lot about like what psychedelic mushrooms do to to the brain and to the body and how they're acting and and you know was compelled to sort of learn more and and think okay like if psychedelic mushrooms are doing X and these other mushrooms I'm seeing these benefits they must be doing something to the body um, so I really dove pretty deep down the research um, you know I ended up joining uh, the largest uh, mycological nonprofit mycological society in the U S and they're actually in Seattle and I ended up sitting on the board there for about two years and became really compelled that like th these mushrooms can have like really pretty extraordinary benefits for um, a lot of people just by sort of daily supplementation. Um, so as an example, like one, um, you know, one mushroom of interest is called turkey tail. And that mushroom is, is used as a cancer treatment in Japan. Um, so, so, so there, there are legitimate compounds within this mushroom that are, you know, when, when consumed going through your body and looking for cancer cells and like helping destroy them. 
Um, and so any, anyways, this is sort of, you know, became really interested by this, this mushroom category and felt compelled that like a lot of health concerns can be addressed by some of these mushrooms. And so I started a, a food brand that's called Forage and, and I still work on Forage today. Um, and what we do is, is we take kind of everyday food concept snacks and we, we fortify them with different mushroom extracts to basically like help people seamlessly get them into their diets. Right. So we have like a loose bag of granola, we have like a meal replacement bar. And the idea is that like, you know, you can't taste the mushrooms and the mushrooms we include them are in like a powder or like an extract format. So there's not like chunks of mushrooms. Um, you would really never know that they're there. Um, and so that, that's sort of, you know, what I'm working on now. Um, and that's, you know, sort of been some of the path, some of the paths here. Um, and then, you know, I've kind of developed a, a couple other projects since then, but that is sort of like, you know, when you look at the quote unquote, the journey, it's right. It's like early on, I just was like compelled by a kid who was making money in college to like believing basically myself being like, okay, you can go build things to then like, you know, feeling, feeling a sort of a profound effects from, from eating certain things and then going to the research and then becoming compelled. And, and that is kind of like some of the arc, right. That you start yeah. to see. Yeah. That's so interesting. What's the first thing you do when somebody refers a business or service provider to you? I know what I do. I go to Google I Google them and I check out their website. And what I see online tells me a lot about how this person is going to conduct their businesses, whether it's service oriented or product oriented. I look at the details of the site. I read all about them. I check out their homepage. And maybe that's because I've been running an agency that builds websites for many years. But I also think how somebody presents themselves online says a lot about how they'll do business with you. So highly recommend having a great website to conduct your business from. Check us out, www.thebrandid.com. If you need a website from one page to 100 pages, we can totally help you fulfill your need for an incredible website and presence online. Check out www.thebrandid.com. Thebrandid.com. Okay, so you launched Forge. I think you mentioned it was in January 2020 that you launched mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. And where, how did you go about developing the formulations of what's in the granola and in the bars and yeah. things like that? Great question. Um, you know, I think, and, and, you know, just for listeners too, it's like, you know, we had no dollars. Like, this was like, I was doing this while I was working full time. I actually worked full time for, close to two years while I was working on forage. And, and, and I, it's funny, I, I say working full time. I've really was, you know, call it what you will cheat, cheating work, whatever. Like I, I was really working full time on forage and working part time at my full time job, but like I had just become really efficient and like got things done. And like, you know, it was blessed to have a job that, that allowed for that. Um, but what I, you know, first I, what I really wanted to do is like, okay, no one's going to eat, said mushroom product because it's quote unquote sounds gross or people would think it's gross if it doesn't taste good. Um, so the first thing I did was um, I found a friend who was really good at baking and she um, actually like really made great granola. And so we like I convinced her to help um, and she just started like coming up with different recipes using these different mushrooms. And then I would take like little samples of this of, of this granola and 
while I was at the gym because I didn't have like a ton of time either. It's like I was working and I was kind of working on building the business and I was like trying to stay healthy and like live kind of live a normal life is while I was at the gym, I would bring other brands of granola and my granola and I would hand out little like Dixie cups of samples like in between like sets of like lifting. So I I forced myself that every single day, like I would go to the gym six days a week and every single day for like a month or two, I had to do at least three blind taste tests. Like I'd forced myself. That was like my quota. Um, And because it's uncomfortable, like you have to like approach a stranger. And if you ask any of your family and friends, like, you know, the data is skewed, like you you don't want to go to your family and friends. So I would, uh, I kind of had it, got it dialed where I'd be at the gym I would sort of like target some people that looked friendly and I'd like kind of set up near them. And then I would just like be like, Hey, like, like, I don't know, like compliment them on something. Be like, Oh, like, cool shirt. And then they're like, Oh, thanks. And then whatever. And then like a couple minutes later, you're like, Oh yeah. So what's your name? Like, like you just like start a little conversation. And then it's like, after a little while, you're like, Hey, like, so I'm kind of like doing this weird thing where like, I'm trying to start this company, but like, we need like a food product, but like, we need to make sure it tastes really good. Like, would you be willing to just like quickly do a blind taste test? And typically, like, once you warm someone up, I'm just like, you're just being friendly. Like, you know, I would say most people were, were pretty open and willing to, like, try food from a stranger at the gym. That's so funny. Um, so I did that for a couple months and collected, you know, I think 100 or 150 sort of, like, data points um, early on just to be like, does this product taste good? Um, and then, you know, we finally found a recipe where it was like, okay, we're, like, really consistently beating, like, all of the best-selling brands of granola. Um this seems interesting to move forward with, right? And that was sort of like step one for us. And that was Jan 2020? That was early on or was it a little later? Because you know where my mind's going, right? Like everything shut down. So Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, yeah, that that had to have been like right around that timing. So it was either like December 2019, Jan 2020, February 2020. Yeah, exactly. So like COVID hit. Um, There was even, like I was doing it a little bit while there was like, I guess it was right before everything closed down. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was perfect timing to get your your well, uh, feedback. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I at least got that in. I I had kind of planned some other events where like I, I had like friends and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends coming through, and we were going to do like this mass testing of all these different products, and then COVID hit and it got canceled. But um, and then it was pretty tough to honestly launch it into product into market once COVID hit. But um, so, so that was sort of step one, and then step two was like okay, great. Like, how do we actually make the product more than like a sheet pan in our own oven? Right. Um, and so I, you know, I like the searching around and, and really, you know, I, I'll kind of tell you what we did, but, but before I get to that, like, I would say the most valuable way I've spent my time and solved some of these problems on my own. Cause it's like, you don't know who to talk, you know, you don't know, like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, True. Yeah is like I one of the one of the the wiser things I did early on was I uh, another good friend or a good friend of mine I, I kept sawing him like post on his Instagram story about this local chocolate brand and so I like texted him and was like hey like do you know the owners he's like yeah dude I'm friends with the founders and I was like okay cool like can you please introduce me and he's like yeah of course so he introduces me and the founders you know were like a couple years older than me and like, we're very excited that like to help me. So they were the ones where when I was like, hey, okay, I think we have this product that like tastes really good. Like, what do we do? Like, how do you like make a bag? 
And he's like, okay, like, like, like you'll either need to like go into like a, com uh, a commissionary kitchen, right? So like a shared kitchen space, or you need to get this type of permit, which allows you to like bake in your home, or you can try and rent space. Like also like you also, you'll need some sort of like heat sealer to like seal packages. Like we actually have an old one. I'll give it to you for like a 12 case of beer. And I was like, okay, awesome. I still remember that. Yeah. That was really nice. Of him. And um, anyway, so he was one who's like, okay, like, here's kind of some ideas to think about solving this problem. Um, so I like started, you know, calling these commissionary kitchens, but they were kind of expensive. And I, I ended up just calling cafes because it was during COVID. A lot of them were kind of closed or like half open and was like, Hey, you know, can I use the space for a couple hours? Like every, like a once a week at once you're close. And, you know, one of them actually was like, yeah. And they were on my street and it was like, a, like a half block walk. Um, so, and it was like $200 a month. Um, and so, you know, then we started going to that cafe at night and like, you know, baking in larger sheet pans, like sort of batch processing and like just figuring it out sort of on the go, um, kind of as, as we went. Right. Yeah. Where did you yeah. have your packaging made eventually? Yes. I mean, your packaging looks great. I think it's beautifully done. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So early on, I mean, we were just like ordering like stock craft yeah. packages and then getting stamps and like stamping yeah. them and then we moved yeah. to stickers and then we started yeah we bulk ordered like branded ones from a local kind of packaging um provider and then yeah and then now like you know we order larger um amounts from a larger packaging provider right that was sort of that general path um so so where's all the um the granola everything where is all that produced now Yes. So, so that how, how like the production changed over time was making individual sheet pans in the kitchen to making like, you know, batch processing, like four or five large sheet pans at this cafe down the street to um, we actually moved to another cafe where we were able to get more time and they had more ovens. So like we were kind of doing larger batch processing where it was like 10 to, to 20 pans at a time, like three to four days a week. And, and then we went out and found a, like a co-manufacturing partner. So like a, a, a larger manufacturer, um, they're in the, they're in the local area who has like a small minimum order, quantity, a small enough minimum order quantity for us to say, okay, you know, let's make the investment here. Like let's work with them and, and let's like go through a, a batch production. Right. So then it was like our batch size production went from like originally like two or three bags in my kitchen to like, okay, now we've got like, 30 to 50 to hundred bags in this cafe. Then to the second cafe, it was like, okay, 200 to 500 bags to, to the co-manufacturer where then it was like initially like 500 to a thousand. And then it was like, you know, one to 3000 bags. And then, it, you know, then it's gone up to like, okay, now like 10 to 20,000. Right. Um, so kind of solving all, all those, all those sort of things on the go. Um, and you, you know, like I, um, you know, it's interesting you talk about the brand, right? So like early on, you know, the name of our brand was called Mind and Body Organics. It was, it was trash, you know, which, which is fine. I can, I can say that about my own brand. And then we went through some rebranding and it looked really pretty. Um, it kind of looked like Kind's branding. And I, you know, it was fine. We would get a lot of compliments on it, but it, you know, what you start to realize is that like what makes a good, you know, what makes a good brand versus a pretty brand. Like, and, and for me, like what I've really landed on is like a good brand is unique and memorable. And I don't know, do you like, I don't know if you agree or yes, disagree. Totally agree. Okay. And our brand was neither. It was pretty, but it wasn't unique or memorable. Um, 
And I, I, I kind of came to this conclusion, actually, interestingly enough, and, and I know you talk about this, Rachel, a little bit of like, you know, personal branding and, and how that can be part of the business is, you know, while I was building Forge, I started posting on LinkedIn about it. And I, I did some kind of wild things while I was building it where like I lived out of my out of a tent in my backyard for for two years. And we used my old bedroom to, to store all the ingredients that we were cooking with in the cafe because we couldn't we couldn't leave ingredients in these cafes. Um, so we had to like go back and forth between my, my room and I didn't want to pay for like storage. So we were, I threw out my bed and I was living in the backyard in the tent. I was posting about that on LinkedIn. And then I ended up moving into like a pop-up camper van for a year and driving around the country to sell, uh, units into grocery stores and like sample product and meet customers. Um, and I started posting about this on LinkedIn and people would come, like, I'd meet people, like I'd see people while I was living on the road or like at like events and people didn't know the brand. They didn't even necessarily know my name, but they were like, they're like, you're the tent guy. And I'm like, I guess, like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and it, it kind of, you know, hit me, struck me at a moment where it was like, okay, people don't know the brand and they don't know me, but they know this because that was unique and memorable. Like, and so every, you know, th that was sort of a paradigm shift for me as I started to think about branding, like you as a brand yourself. And, you know, if you're going to develop a brand, like, if nothing else, like absolutely needs to be both unique and memorable. Um, right. So it's like, if people are on here thinking about a personal brand per se, or they're, or a brand they're working on, like what sort of angle can you play to really make it unique? Right. So, so something that doesn't exist in the market that doesn't look like other things and then memorable, right? Like what makes something memorable? Like, I don't you know, uniqueness can help, but like, I don't know, oftentimes it, it really sticks out of the, out of the mud or it makes somebody feel a certain type of way. Um, and so, so that was sort of, you know, we, we recently went through kind of this brand update, um, at the really towards the end of 2022. And yeah, I, f I feel like, you know, we're definitely on, on the right path in terms of thinking about branding now. Yeah. So you're, one of my questions was actually like, how did you start marketing this? So aside from traveling uh, across the country, um, what else did you do? How many stores are you in? And is yeah. your business, is your B2C business bigger than your um, wholesale business? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, other things, yeah, we've done. Yeah. 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 So I like lived out of this van. I traveled around and, um, you know, uh, it's funny, all of our like best performing ads in history, right. That like have, you know, where like we've converted, you know, new customers online to put purchase our website have all been like really just like ratchety ads that like we've put together ourselves. And like one of them, which is our, which is our best performing ad of all time was talking about me living in the tent and like showing people the tent. Um, and again, like I come back to being like, okay, that was super unique and memorable. Like it has not, it has really nothing to do with the product. Um, and so, you know, like we've, you know, done that we've done the, yeah, lots of stuff with the van, um, going around. We, um, uh, another thing we we sort of recently started to roll out is um, our branding has all these like fun little creatures and they're all unique. Every single creature um, is actually like a, a creature that that like a customer has made or is like somebody on the team. And so we um, have like QR codes and and there's abilities where it's like if you're a certain type of customer, you you can build a forager for free. The name of the, our brand is Forage, right? And so that's something sort of unique that we've started to roll out um, as well, um, which, you know, it's it's like anybody can create a forager and then uh, 
foragers will show up on new product launches or merchandise or online. And like that is like that person and like will never change over time. It's it's sort of like That's a real cool. life NFT, but like yeah. we're, not, yeah, we're yeah. not doing that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're trying to think about sort of just different ways to market to people. Um, other things, you know, that I've done, I, I used to, I, I wouldn't say I do it as much anymore, which, which is too bad. But um, when I would fly on airplanes, I, you know, would, would always bring some product with me. And I like, you know, my, my parents always used to joke, I never shut up as a kid. Um, and so, you know, you like chat with people around you. And one day I just like was feeling edgy on an airplane. And I just on a, like on a piece of paper, like wrote, um, I think I wrote like, like, um, like, uh, it's like, it was like product giveaway, like, and then in parentheses, like, like scrappy entrepreneur or something like something super like kind of silly, ridiculous. Like I have horrible handwriting and I walk to the front of the airplane and I walk up there and I like have my bag and I have the sign and people are kind of looking at me and I'm like, okay. And I turn around and I'm just like looking to make eye contact in the rows. And I like hold my sign up and I'm like, Oh, do you want to enter the, do you want to enter the product giveaway? And most people like would kind of quickly make eye contact and like dart, dart their eyes away and like, are like, what? Okay. I don't want to be bothered or this guy's crazy or I don't know. Like, this is weird. This is, this is weird until, you know, typically how this is, how this has gone in the past is like, we'll go a couple of rows like that. And I'm like kind of rattled, like mine's racing. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. And then one person will be like, yeah, that, uh, yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Like, who are you? Like, what is this? And then I'll like explain it and everybody else around them can hear me. Yeah, of course. And then they're yeah. like, okay, like this guy is kind of normal. I don't know. Like good for him. Like he kind of, you know, kind of has some, some cahoots for doing this. And then I like would have little pieces of paper that they write their seat number and I like put it in a hat. And then as soon as one person does it, and like everybody else is like, okay, yeah, I'll do it too. And it's really interesting seeing how like, like, um, seeing how um, like sort of group think occurs in that way, where it's like, if one person says no, everybody else kind of says no until some person's like, yeah, sure. And then like, after that, like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, sure. I'll do it too. Like, this is normal now. This has become a thing. Right. Um, so I used to run these product giveaways on airplanes. And then I would like kind of record that content and we would repurpose that content for ads and um, all sorts of things. And so I always found that a lot of the like, hyper personal like quote unquote marketing is really sort of valuable and th and then if if you can get content from it sort of repurposing that to help you know put it out on on larger media channels so i feel like maybe this is what would typically be defined as like as like a pr stunt but like it's not really a pr stunt it was just like i was sort of bored and wanted to do this on an airplane total guerrilla marketing for sure mm -hmm. um is your b to c side of your business right. bigger or the yeah, yeah, great question. Um, honestly, no, our, our wholesale side of the business definitely outweighs our, our B2C side. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we've, it's, I would say after like the iOS updates um, and like, honestly, people don't, I feel like the, the consumer behavior around buying granola online isn't super normal. Like, mm -hmm. um, I feel like with our meal bars, it, it's, be, it's become and like makes more sense, but uh, it's just become really expensive to acquire customers online. Um, through like advertisements um, for large enough, you know, quantities that make sense to actually pay for shipping. Sure. And are you um, in all states in the U.S. or where where are you? What types of stores yeah. are you in typically? Yeah. Yeah. So lots of like regional health natural stores. Okay. Um, yeah. We're, you know, we're in 
um, you know, we're in a couple of conventional stores that we're testing right now. They're interesting. So like on the East coast, like Shaw's is probably our biggest conventional. They're like in the Albertson Safeway branch and like really the Massachusetts area, but like mom's organic market on the East coast. We're in like central market down in Texas. Um, a lot of the health natural chains in Southern California, like Bristol farms, lazy acres. Um, and then lots of similar health, health natural chains up here in the Pacific Northwest. So we haven't like really moved to any like really big national chains yet. It's just, it can be like really expensive and sort of risky to do. And I think that's something that we're sort of starting to look at uh, maybe like in, into 2024. Which is your um, one or two brands that you'd love to get into? Yeah. At, um, from an aspirational perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We also actually just got like fresh time, which is sort of a Midwest you oh, know, yeah. regional health, health food chain. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, and then, I don't know, you know, probably Whole Foods would probably be the most mm -hmm. interesting that's one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whole Foods and, yeah, there's lots of things we're kind of looking at right now. Like we're actually, we've partnered with a distributor in Asia who wants to bring us to Asia, which is, you know, we're, we're treading lightly, but it's it's interesting. Um, so I don't know, you know, just trying to, to 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 look at all the opportunities, determine kind of which make the most sense and and which are kind of the the most sort of like cash efficient um, and move forward. Right? It's like we haven't raised a ton of money, and this is this is an expensive game to, to play. Yes. Yes. So have you taken in some outside investment? We have. Yeah, we have. Just not just not a ton. Okay. Well, that's good. So you're trying to self-fund. Um, what do you plan to do to continue to, to grow the brand? Yeah. Aside from expanding into, say, a Whole Foods or like any other kind of marketing gimmicks that you're doing to grow? And, and how are you finding that... Um, you it sounds like using your personal brand to grow your business brand even though your personal brand isn't well known has is what's worked for you the most right like you're literally out there parker yeah. right like spreading the word so do you how do you plan to continue to use your personal brand um or do you continue do you plan to start using more of your business brand as it's you know, also becoming known now, right? Yeah. And Forage yeah. is a catchy name too. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, definitely going to continue to the personal brand. I think anyone who's interested in like, honestly, just like growing and in, in their career, which I, I assume is a lot of people like getting on LinkedIn and, and just talk, like putting up content is valuable because it just like, you're just raising a flag and then you see other people who are raising similar flags and then it's 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 a great way to connect so i've like you know met a lot of grocery store buyers through linkedin because i've just talked about like what's really going on at the business um so you know continue down that path we're definitely focused on doing some like kind of influencer product seeding and marketing um doing through that um this has been sort of new um as well of but like just like you know doing the dieting living out of the tent i've uh there's like I was invited on on one of the bigger podcasts in the CPG, like in the food space. And then since then have been kind of invited to be a guest on, on several shows this year. So I don't know, like doing some, maybe some podcasting and podcast advertising as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we're looking, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just like for efficient ways to, to go to market outside of just like spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on paid media um, or ads. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Parker, um, this has been so fascinating. What's the best way for people to learn more about you and and also purchase some of the bars and some of the granola? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm super active on LinkedIn. That's a good spot. So kind of find me and reach out to me. So it's just my name, Parker Olson. I have like a little mushroom emoji uh, next to me. And then, um, yeah, you know, our website is, is a great spot or, or we sell, you know, our products, some of our products on Amazon, but our website, you know, forage.co, F-O-R-I-J dot C-O. Thank you so much. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.